Today, we talk with an individual who embodies working for your dreams. We will talk about that and whether or not the Cleveland Browns will ever stop sucking on the Fat Man's Guide podcast. Fireside Chat 1, Thomas Frank Carr. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm putting out my very first interview. But before we do that, I do want to thank you all for listening. Uh, a little bit more big news. We have been added to another big provider. iHeartRadio is uh, now uh, carrying us. Please like, subscribe, and share. And if you get a chance to go to iTunes and write a review, hey, that would be awesome, and give me five stars. Today's guest is an analyst for Pro Football Focus and the sports director for ESPN... 1450 and FM 1037 radio in State College, Pennsylvania. He is also a sports writer for the Blue White Magazine and a contributing author on numerous other football publications. We had a Zoom conversation about how he's working his tail off to achieve his dreams of being a sports reporter, as well as talking briefly about the Browns, Steelers, and the Bills offseason so far. Now, guys, this is my first online interview, so please forgive me for some of the audio difficulties. Now, without further ado, my man, Thomas Frank Carr. So, hey, Thomas Frank, um, it's awesome to have you on. Thank you for being here on the podcast. You're my very first interview, which is awesome. I was was just telling you before we got started that if, if I could make this podcast happen, you're one of the first people I'd want to have on here. Um, and, and in a second, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to get into kind of asking some questions about the NFL because obviously I know uh, um, if, if I've got all this right, uh, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone kind of some of the sports background that you have as far as who you work for. Uh, I actually had to write it down. Uh, currently, I am the sports director and program director of ESPN Radio 1450, which is what you see in the background here. Uh, I co-host, I just got done with the show, Sports Talk with Steve Jones. I'm also the producer uh, and board operator for that. I write for Blue White Illustrated, so I do uh, game breakdowns after the game, watching the film, kind of saying what happened, not how you felt it happened, what actually happened on the field. Uh, I'm also a, a, an analyst for PFF, that's Pro Football Focus, the uh, football analytics company. Um, and I also am the on-field host for uh, the minor league baseball team in town in the summer. It's called the State College Spikes. So if it exists, I've probably done it. Awesome. And, and you know what's really kind of cool for the people who don't know you and, and why I'm so excited to have you on? You know, I, I've had this uh, thing going, uh, the Fat Man's Guide that I've been doing for a year now and doing some videos and stuff. And and the, the, the kind of the tagline that I've been using this whole time has been living life to the fullest without excuses. And you're one of those guys. And when I think back, you know, well over a decade ago, I'm pretty sure um, you always wanted to be this guy. You wanted to be this guy who was getting out there and, and being involved with sports and, and, and getting into broadcasting. And, and tell me a little bit about what, what your, your journey has been like. Because let's be honest, I mean, you come from, I mean, from where we're at, small town America. I mean, this is tiny town America. Yeah. You know? And, uh, I mean, other than some little tiny Midwestern state that's got eight-man football, I mean, we're, we're a small town. And you go from a small town – these big dreams that probably a lot of people are like, oh, come on, Thomas, Frank. All you got to do is aim for something a little bit more professional. You know, I mean, it's like it's almost like wanting to be, in my eyes, almost like wanting to be a songwriter or, or an yeah. actor, you know. And, uh, you know, you, you said, hell no, it's something I want to do. Kind of give us a little bit of idea into your journey to get to where you are right now. Well, uh, the first thing I have to say is that 
I haven't made it yet. So it's, it's an, it's still a journey. It's always going to be a journey sure. because uh, if you want something bad enough, I don't think the, the desire, the journey ever stops. Mm-hmm. Um, you asked me such a big question and talking to you brings me back to, to high school football. And even further than that, I, as you know, I was in the marching band for most of uh, high school because my oldest brother who, who you played football with broke his back playing football. So I wasn't allowed to play. Um, but my mom saw how much it meant to me. And the fact that I was during practice at the band, I was throwing the football and not practicing my instrument um that i got to my senior year play football and um like it's just something i've said my whole life i'm betting on me i i believe in myself and i believe that i can do this for a living but i know it's a lottery ticket i i just i believe that i'm uh in the one percent of people that are going to make it someday uh and, and i i refuse to let go of that I don't know if that's stubbornness. I don't know if that's, you know, believing or positivity. It's just, at this point, it's the only way I know how to exist. So um, it's, it's been a long road, and I don't think I could fully summarize it. But I went to Penn State. I was lucky enough to get into Penn State uh, my, as a freshman at main campus. I um, was involved in radio from an early point there where – there was a, an online radio station called Com Radio. It's a student-run radio station. And within a month of school, I had my own talk show. And I was actually mentored, mentored by a guy who I now work with, Jeff Brown, who um, I, I, he was the second professor I ever had at school. I ended up getting married in his backyard. He's my coworker now. Really helped me get into radio. But radio has always been a means to an end for me because I love football and I just, just, I always have. It's one of those things about me that's always been there, like I have brown hair. And uh, it's been kind of an obsessive quest my whole life. After I graduated, Jeff actually helped me get a job. It was not in sports. I was a part-time afternoon radio DJ on a hot AC station. So, uh, you know, playing pop music like Selena Gomez and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would take any opportunity I could have and I could find uh, to do sports. When I got here, the guy who had been covering Penn State football and going to the press conferences and stuff, unfortunately, passed away of colon cancer and they hadn't filled the job. So I just said, as a part-timer, I'm like, I'll do it for free. I'll just go to the press conferences and sit there. And basically, I just picked up where I left off, where I was going to press conferences as a, as a uh, student. Now I'm a professional. And I was working at a pizza shop at the time, part-time. Um, basically if you want something, go for it and, uh, and do everything in your power to get it. Because the reality is it's hard. It is so incredibly hard and there's so much sacrifice that goes into making your dreams come true. I think a lot of people, like, like you said, think that sitting down and talking about something is easy and, and, and being interesting and having interesting, intelligent things to say is so much more than just sitting down and having an opinion, uh, at least to me. And, and I've always, you know, tried to be informed about football and know more about football and, and all these things. And, um, well, after- you know, the, th- the thing is, is oh, that, sorry. like, no, you're fine. The, the thing is, is like, like I, I look at myself, I've been doing football now for over 30 years. And I mean, I don't think I'm an expert, but I would say that I've 
picked up a lot of stuff over 30 years of doing football. And one of the things that always, like, uh, there's a lot of people who come up and want to, you know, think that I would talk a lot of football. I don't talk a lot of football with people. And, and most that's because I think for someone like you, when you're dealing with the truly educated individual when it comes to football, it's frustrating to talk to people who don't understand football. It, it, like in, yeah. in your, you, you mentioned it, in, I think, on your, your one show there, you know, not what you think happened out there during the game, what actually happened. And yeah. how many times is it that you're, you're going to have individuals who are going to look at a game and go, oh, this, that, and everything else happened. You're sitting going, you have no friggin' idea what actually occurred during this game. You just want to say things that make you sound smart instead of recognizing, you know, what the actual, you know, X's and O's of what was going on or the decisions that were made um, during a game. And, and I think that, you know, uh, you know, to that point, that's one of the reasons that for you, well, I've always liked, like listening to you and even like the articles that you've written for a number of publications so far. I love reading them just because of the fact that I know I'm getting something you know, legitimate. And I think, you know, well, you, you, you said that, you know, um, you haven't made it, but see, I look at you right now and you, you may not have made it, but like you said, it's a non, it, it's a nonstop process. Life is a nonstop process. And the exactly. fact that you're where you're at, you're only building to where you're going to finish, but you're, you're nowhere close because even, even if you got to, even if you got to ESPN main campus, you're going to be striving for what's the next thing, you know? Because that's what a person like you does. And that's why I wanted to have you on. So when, um, when, when you're looking at, uh, you know, I think um, sports as they are right now, obviously we have COVID-19. Um, uh, I'm sure someone's going to be asking, what does someone talk about when we haven't had sports in a month? Which, you know, I can't even imagine how, you know, great depression like that is in America. We live in <laughs> so, so what's that like trying to prepare for that kind of a day? Um, so for the most part on the show, I am tasked with getting guests to talk to our host, Steve Jones, who is the voice of Penn State football and basketball. Um, and it's basically as much as there isn't sports, there's always news. And part of the sports news process, at least for me, is finding what's actually interesting and then putting those people on the show with Steve to talk to about pressing issues. So uh, Calvin Booth is a former Penn State basketball player. And he is a potential GM candidate in the NBA. He's been working his way up through the ranks uh, and is with the Denver Nuggets right now. Their GM just left to be uh, in a high-ranking position with the Bulls. So he'd be the first Penn State basketball player to reach such a position. So um, uh, I reached out to a guy from the Denver Post, and we had him on to talk about that and you know what that journey has been like for for uh, Calvin and you know obviously Steve has a depth of knowledge and experience and understanding that when people come on the show he has a he has an educated conversation with them so my job right now is to facilitate those intriguing conversations that people like to listen to and finding the information obviously the NFL draft is coming up we had a draft guy on today from PFF um, and just trying to find people and things that are happening because the reality is things being canceled is as much news as things not happening. Uh, and with the things, you know, there's, there's something new every day that you can put in your sports update. Uh, Penn State recruiting is still going on, so there's all that as well. And it's just about – if you can talk about stuff, hopefully you can find interesting there's, things yeah, to there's, say. There's always something. Uh, you, you mentioned the draft. Let's talk real quick about the NFL. 
Um, you know, obviously being from Northwestern Pennsylvania, I could have you on here for 40 minutes talking about all the teams in the NFL. My thought was to ask you just, um, you know, about the three local teams that a lot of people around here kind of listen to. And that's most people are listening to my podcast anyway. There's no one from San Diego listening to this. So um, <laughs> you don't know so, that or maybe well, you do. I don't you know, know. Not yet. I mean, I, I'd love to get to that point. But um, so the, the three, I, I guess the way I'll do them in order. Um, my, my first one I'd ask you about, how do you think the offseason has been for what I call the train wreck, that being Cleveland? Uh, I mean, obviously, that's my opinion. Last year was an absolute joke and a farce considering what they were supposed to do. How do you think Cleveland's done in the offseason? Um, and, and maybe real briefly, where do you think they're heading in the draft from a picture? Uh, I think everything is about Baker Mayfield. They made the right choice. I firmly believe Baker Mayfield is one of the better quarterbacks that I've watched in college. He's one of the better uh, prospects that I've ever watched come he's out of the draft. He's a hell of a competitor. Hell of a competitor. But he's intelligent too. It's not just that he's competitive. Is that there's a uh, there's an intelligence about football with him. And I just unplugged my own headphones. Hold on. Um, <laughs> he he's he's intelligent. I he sees the field properly, and I, I think he has a lot of the intangible factors that you can't see unless you know what you're looking for. As far as he was doing advanced things and moving safeties with his eyes, and uh, you know looking off defenders, anticipating windows to throw into in zone and man coverage, knowing where players are going to show up. The problem is, as much as he had uh, the supporting cast at receiver, I think the offensive line was an Achilles heel for him because he's athletic and he's mobile. But if one of the problems that he has is there are times when he can get above his skis a little bit when he's got pressure in his face. I think he deals with it. But I don't think the situation, the offense, any of those things, Freddie Kitchens was not a good coach, not a good manager of people. Those things are resolved. And I like the system they brought in for him. Now it's about getting offensive line talent to protect him. And from there, we'll have a good evaluation of, am I right? Is he good? Uh, and and, I, and I, I believe he is. I believe he will be. There are certain things that go into football as far as, and you know this, like interceptions aren't always the quarterback's fault. You always get blamed for him, though. Um, I think there's a lot of bad luck that's gone on with him, and he hasn't been put in the best situation holistically. I think he had a lot of talent around him, but the holistic picture versus some of the other guys that he's compared to, like Baker Mayfield, I'm sorry, like um, Josh Allen in Buffalo or Lamar Jackson in uh, Baltimore, those guys have good cultures that they're in. The Browns, to your point, are a train wreck from, from the neck up. Yeah. Their general manager, their owner, all of that stuff has been a problem. Hopefully, maybe after a decade and a half, they found the right people. Who knows? Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we're, that'll kind of roll into my third team here in a second. So the, the second one I would kind of ask about is uh, what I consider the question mark team, and that's Pittsburgh. Who mm -hmm. are they now? Where they, I mean, obviously, last year, injuries were unbelievably – uh, devastating to him. You obviously lost two phenomenal playmakers, uh, and then you lose your quarterback, who's the cornerstone of your entire team. Um, where where do you think Pittsburgh is? Where do you think they're heading um, in general? And and how maybe does that relate in the draft as well? So this is a problem because where they think they are and where they're heading, uh, they're heading for a cliff. And everyone knows that because Ben Roethlisberger is 39 years old coming, coming off Tommy John surgery. If you don't prepare for the future, and I understand that you can't always have Steve Young, Steve Young taking over for Joe Montana. You can't have Aaron Rodgers taking over for Brett Favre, but you should try. And 
I think Minka Fitzpatrick is a great player who helped them out immensely and helped change their defense last year. That is absolutely true. The problem is they are sitting now with a 39-year-old quarterback with a question mark for an elbow. I don't know if that is literally the structure of his elbow, but it, that's how it feels in my brain. Yeah. They need to take a quarterback. They need to address the future of the health of their program, and yet they're in a cash-strapped cap position where they have to do X, Y, and Z in the draft, and they don't have a first-round pick. Yeah. So for me, what I want them to do is take Jake Crom from Georgia. I think that would be a realistic second-round shot they could take. That doesn't help you next year. Yeah. But the whole point of Ben Roethlisberger, if he comes back healthy, is that all of those problems you saw are gone. That offense is built with the quarterback in mind. You take him out and you put some guy named Duck in or a guy named Mason from Oklahoma State, and I don't mean yeah. to uh, you know, make fun of all the Masons in the world. Uh, Mason's a fine name, but those guys are not built to run that offense. You don't need a new running back to replace James, Con James Connors you need to have your quarterback back so people don't put 13 people in the box. Yeah. If that happens and he comes back healthy, I think that they're a Super Bowl contender like they always are, and you have a plan for the future. But like I know the Steelers and like all Steelers fans know the Steelers, they're going to take an immediate contributor in round two, whether it's an offensive lineman to replace some of those holes or if it's a, a defensive player or a receiver because they think that they're one player away. And when yeah. you keep thinking that way, you erode the depth of your team instead of uh, building for the future. And I think that you need to do both. But they are not in a position to do that. Yeah. It, it makes me think about my Detroit Tigers behind me back here because they were doing that for about four or five years before they decided they had to blow it up. And, and I yep. kind of feel the same way you do with the Steelers. It's like you're getting to a point where you might have some talent here and there, but you're, you're heading to a point where you have to really reevaluate everything. Uh, and lastly, obviously, I mean, it's, it's amazing for me to be able to say this in my lifetime, and I'm glad it's my first podcast. The really hot team, Buffalo, obviously, I mean, just – And there might not be a season. I, I, I know. There might not be a season. And, uh, and you're sitting here going, no Tom Brady. Buffalo, we spent 20 years where they sucked. And it's like, man, we can be the team. Um, so, so how do you think what Buffalo's done in the offseason? They've done, obviously done a number of moves. Where do you think they're at finishing free agency and maybe what they might be doing in the, uh, uh, in the draft? So first off, uh, to your first question about why I am the way I am, because my team is the Bills, as you yep, know. I know. I spent my entire football life, my first memory of football is the Music City Miracle. Mm -hmm. So that kind of informs you about what I've seen in my football life as a fan. Yep. And my personality is, okay, it's broken. How do you fix it? So I've spent my whole life learning how to fix it because I wanted to be the one to fix the bills. Luckily, yep. someone came along before I was 47 years old and in the NFL or whatever happens from, from here on out. Yeah. Um, they have the best roster in the, in the AFC East right now. And I, my wife tells me that I have to trust the people in charge because they've done a good job so far. Everything I said about Baker Mayfield, I feel the exact opposite about Josh Allen. Again, I'm rooting for him to succeed. I'm rooting for me to be wrong. But every single instance I've ever seen of bad quarterback play, and I've learned every wrong way to play quarterback by watching the Bills, people don't become more accurate over time. They are what they are when they're the finished product in the NFL. He has spent his entire life throwing that way, 
moving his feet that way. Habits are built over time. And if you think in three years he's going to change every habit about his throwing motion and his accuracy, you're nuts. He's the 1% of people that has the unbelievable discipline to be able to change everything about himself in pressure situations with adrenaline and 300-pound men trying to kill him. So that's my opinion on quarterbacks in general. They have built around his strengths. They have done every single thing to put him in position to succeed. The offensive line, with they just brought in Daryl Williams, uh, who I think is going to be a great either right guard or right tackle. Cody Ford is a really good prospect at either of those positions. I think he's a better guard than tackle. And if neither of those guys play well, Ty Inseki, the backup there, is a great right tackle. You've got three guys for two positions that are question mark on the offensive line. They trade for Diggs. Everything we've seen uh, about this offseason was sort of prescient from them about the idea of we can't bring people in, we can't interview people, we can't go to the combine and draft physically. Let's trade our first-round pick for something that we are sure of. Stephon Diggs is a wide receiver number one, and he has the ability to get open, which is better than being a speed guy. Because I know everyone wants them to go get a speed guy to get the downfield ball going and everything you saw from Josh Allen as a rookie where he was slinging it in the Jacksonville game. Yep. When I work for PFF, I get to see the numbers. The reality is last year he didn't throw less accurately than the first year. He just threw it less deep. Yep. It's the same accuracy on deep balls. He hit the same number and the same percentage. He just threw it less because they asked him to do that. They have brought in Brian Dable to have a good system around him that gives him open windows to throw into. They throw it in advantageous situations. They have done just everything to put him in position to succeed, and they succeeded. The question is for me, going forward, what happens? Because if you believe in what you've done, and you've done it with a clear-eyed vision of what he is and what he isn't, and then you decide to give him all the quarterback money, then you can't bring in Daryl Williams. You can't go trade for Stephon Diggs. You can't go get X, Y, and Z in free agency to come in along the defensive line. You can't sign every former Panther that's ever existed. Yep. So the next two years are going to be very critical. As far as the draft, they are in position to take the best player available, literally. They don't really have any holes on the roster. They have places they could improve. So Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, to me, have been everything I've ever wanted in a general manager and a head coach. And that's surprising to me. I feel like defensive coaches typically have a more conservative. Um, if you spend your whole life trying to stop people from scoring offense, you tend, you tend to cock block yourself and like, you know, view the offense as the enemy. They haven't done it that way. They've been smart. And I really, 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 really don't want them to screw it up in the next two years. Sure. But this, the draft this year is gravy. I'm, I'm super excited. Sure. And, and, you know, I think one of the points you, you brought up, I always um, liken it to Bill Belichick being a defensive coach, is I, th I think maybe what they're hoping is that Josh Allen becomes that quarterback that defensive coaches just hate. You know what I mean? That, that mm -hmm. guy who's running everywhere and makes their life miserable. And even though, you know, yeah, well, he's deficient here, deficient there. Well, we've had some statues as well sitting back there who can throw the ball, and they suck too. Meanwhile, yeah. you look back, that, that, back to that first year as a rookie, just his ability to run gave us opportunities to be able to yes. – because that, that, that offense had no talent. I mean, zero talent. Other, other than Shady, there was no talent. Um, and I think that's what they're hoping. I, I'm like you. I mean, I want him to be good. I love how exciting he is. 
but I know that there's some major deficiencies that the average fan look at and go, oh, he's a great oh, – there's little technique things. And, and to your, like you said, they don't just change those things overnight, man. I mean, those are things they've done their whole life to this point. Um, so, like I said, I, 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 I agree with you. I hope we have a season. I hope I get a chance to see yeah, the yeah. Bills play a Patriots team that doesn't have Brady. I know I've got all my friends like, whoa, you know, your guys is the East sucks. And it's like, yeah, but every time you play Tom Brady, you lose. Imagine playing him twice a year, which I know is the mantra of every Bills fan ever. This is, and this is something that obviously uh, being in a, I call it uh, the border state of Sugar Grove is uh, the Steelers fans. And this is another one of those, oh, how'd he end up so crazy? Is every time I would say something about the Bills, my Steelers fans' friends would be like, oh, the Bills suck. And I, okay, give me two reasons why. If you can give me two reasons why, I'll agree with you. But you don't know what you're talking about. And like some of these guys, not to, not to talk in class, but they were on your football team and they didn't have oh. any idea what the hell. I know that. <laughs> Trust me, I'm, I, I know, I know plenty well the deficiencies of number of my players understanding. The game. <laughs> um, and you know, it is it is funny too because uh, every Steelers fan's like, eh, Tom Brady owns the NFL, paying the refs. Try that twice a year, every year. All right. Yeah. Then, then you'd understand why everyone in the East has been struggling. Um, real quick, because we you know I got a couple minutes, and I don't want to keep you all day. Uh, give me one other NFL team that you think's done really well, just real briefly why you think uh, they've had a really good offseason. Um, and then, hey, real quick, tell me about State College. Obviously, uh, you, you get to work sports in a very passionate area for sports. How do you feel about uh, State College football? Hopefully we have a season. Um, so the Bills are really the one that I think has done a, a really good job. The other team that I pay a lot of attention to, off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of another team that's done well. The Arizona Cardinals with highway robbery for DeAndre Hopkins was great. Um, if you want to go the opposite way of that, I don't know what the hell Bill O'Brien is doing. Like He's like a drunk sailor with a tugboat in the harbor. I, I don't know what he's doing. Um, the San Francisco 49ers, I think, are pretty smart. And they trade DeForest Buckner instead of giving him a lot of money. They get the 13th overall pick. They have two picks in the first round, and they were a bit, cat they were a bit um, strapped when it came to draft capital. I think that that is a really good position to be in to go to the Super Bowl and have a chance to improve your roster. What they do at 13 is going to determine a lot of that because if they go and they just replace DeForest Buckner, that's not an improvement on your roster. That is just kind of keeping uh, the water at the same level. I think they can improve and get better this offseason but they put themselves in position to do so. And I think they're another really well-run organization with a lot of smart people. Um, as far as Penn State football, they're at a bit of a disadvantage because they don't have offseason. Uh, this weekend's supposed to be the blue-white game. Uh, they would be, we'd, be, we'd be neck deep in spring content, talking about the brand-new offense. Having so many new coaches in this offseason I think is a challenge. The good news is I do believe Kirk Shiraka is one of those guys that is going to make a huge difference. And everything I've talked about can be summed up this way. No position, I'm not talking about it, like everyone knows this, no position is more important than the quarterback position. People who have a proven track record of making quarterbacks better over time, regardless of their talent, are, should be immediate priorities when it comes to coaching. And Kirk Shiraka has proven that both at Minnesota and at Western Michigan when he was with P.J. Fleck in the fight and row the boats. I'm super excited to see what they bring because I think he'll bring a clarity to the position for Sean Clifford. I felt at times 
um, the intelligence and aggressiveness from Clifford was getting confused in a lot of complexity. And if you can simplify that position, one of the greatest things about play action, here's another thing, um, play action creates one-on-one situations in football, which is an 11-man sport. If you can turn, turn football into basketball, you're making the job of the quarterback so much easier. And I saw so much of that from Kirk Shiraka in the Minnesota offense when I was studying them. And then obviously in the game, you saw them dunking on Penn State left and right. And then they go and they get that coach to be the, the, head, uh, the offensive coordinator. That is, a, I think, a really great hire. It fits really well with what James Franklin wants. And I think a lot of people don't give him enough credit for knowing football very well. Um, because he's not a defensive genius or he's not an offensive genius doesn't mean he understand, doesn't understand exactly what's going on. Just because he himself didn't captain some great offense at some point in his career, he knows the important points of football. And as the architect of everything at Penn State, I think he's doing a great job. His vision is very good, and he's a great identifier of talent. And that includes coaches as well. I'll, I'll tell you, um, and again, I'm not even the world's biggest Penn State fan just because everyone loves Penn State, um, but I love college football in general, period. Um, right. But any, anyone who's ever listened to, to Coach Franklin, I know I've, I've listened to him a number of times, been down to the conferences, been down to the clinics. Um, I think if you were to even talk to the guy, he, he'll be – I have never seen a coach, and I've listened to a lot of coaches on the college level. I know a lot of coaches on the college level. I have never seen a coach – who breaks down his staff the way he does. And yeah, it goes yeah. to your point. Like, yeah, he's not going to sit there and talk to you a lot about X's and O's. You want that Matt Rule. Like, I, I love Matt Rule. Personally, I love Matt mm-hmm. Rule. He's a great guy. He was super helpful for me as a coach. Matt Rule, man, that dude will talk X's and O's all day with you. Coach Franklin, I mean, the first day he comes in there, he talks about, I've got these coaches here. I've got these coaches to oversee these coaches. He runs a structure. He runs an yes. organization. Like, like he's almost more like his head coach job is more of a general manager than it is anything else. He makes sure to have the right people in the right places doing the right things. Um, and that's, that's one of the things I really respect about coach Franklin. I think you you hit it top of the, the top of the nail right there. He is, he, he structures his team and uh, I, he definitely doesn't get enough respect because when he came in, this is allegedly going to be a crap show. And all it's done is turned itself into a legitimate powerhouse. I mean, a legitimate Literally did not have a losing season exactly. with sanctions and all those stuff. Like, objectively, if you look at that, that's incredibly It's, it's amazing. It's, and I say that as a non-Penn State fan. It's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that uh, it'll be real interesting to see, you know, obviously everyone. I mean, I even see, you know, for, from our high school teams, you know, uh, not having springtime, not having off-season workouts, not having all these things. It's going to make it very, very difficult this fall. Hopefully we have football, but it's definitely going to make it really difficult. Um, hey, we're, we're up against the end there. Um, I just really want to thank you so much for coming on here. I hope I can get you on here more. I, I, I love sitting here talking football with you and having you kind of give your, uh, uh, your input. And uh, you've got a you know, hell of a lot of expertise because you've been doing this a while. And you do it really professionally. So I appreciate you being on. Um, and like I said, I, uh, I'm super proud of you, all right? And I don't want to get all sappy here, you know, uh, we're dudes. You're going to make me <laughs> cry. But, but, yeah, I was like, I, I, seriously, though, I'm super proud of you. I, I mean, I cannot tell you. There are, you know, guys that have played ball for me that have, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I have had, I've been blessed to have a lot of guys who have gone out and do all, tremendous things. But you're one of those guys that, that what your goal was, I knew how tough it was going to be. And trust me, when, when I got into college and I got a chance to coach college ball, like when you're talking about I'm going to do it for free, Man, when I got a chance to do it in college, I was doing it for free, 
All right. When, when you're a GA, you get a little crap stipend uh, pay and I'd go pick up the bagels and the coffee in the morning. I'm sneaking bagels because I'm unbelievably hungry because I ain't got no money. I know what it's like to do that job where you're the guy. It's like, I'm doing the crappiest things, but that's how you get into the system. That's why I'm super proud of you because I know how much you sacrifice to get to where you're at and where you're going, man. Um, I learned it growing up in a place like Sugar Grove. Uh, Honestly, the hard work, you know, you know my grandfather. Probably about as good as I do at this point. Um, mm-hmm. you learn all those lessons that hard work doesn't take a day off and you don't get to sleep in if you want to go get something. And, yep. you know, I learned that from you. I learned that from my parents. Like I, I was really lucky to be born and to live in a place like Sugar Grove and it made me who I am. And I'm, I'm proud of that. Even if I'm a little nuts, sometimes I'm proud of it. Yep. Well, we're all proud of you and I appreciate you being on, man. Thanks. All right. You have a good day. Take care. Yep. Yeah, Well, guys, thanks for being here. Whenever you get a chance to follow Thomas Frank, be on the lookout for his articles and check out Pro Football Focus. And again, hey, TF, thanks for being on. I really appreciate it. Again, guys, like, subscribe, and share the podcast. Leave a comment and check us out on iHeartRadio and iTunes and, of course, Podbean. And until next time, be safe and live life to the fullest without excuses, even in crazy times like these. See ya.